In this episode of Novel Predictions, Allison thinks Augustus Waters is douche adjacent. Like, Hazel has a visceral reaction to it the first time, and then he's like, I don't like them. It's an ironic statement, metaphor. And then she's like, okay, no, bullshit that she would be like, okay, she's she's dying of, she's drowning in her own body fluid. I don't think that she would be like, yeah, that's chill. Just keep these cigarettes around me. Allison thinks that Augustus Waters is a douchebag. I don't, though. He just has that one douchey quality. He's douche ad- adjacent. Welcome to Novel Predictions. I'm Kales, and I am rereading The Fault in Our Stars this week. And I'm Allison, and I'm reading it for the first time. So, Novel Predictions, if you're joining us for the first time, thank you so much for clicking on this podcast and listening to it. Novel Predictions is a podcast where two best friends, I, Kales, and Allison there, uh, we read one book a month, approximately. It's like a book every four weeks or so, and one of us is rereading the book. So for this week, I am rereading Fault in Our Stars, and Allison is reading it for the first time. What this first episode is, is where we read the first five chapters, which we're probably going to change now that we've done this, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But we read the first five chapters, and then Allison, as the new reader, has to make predictions to what she thinks is going to happen in the rest of the book. And then the second episode that we uh, do in two weeks will be once we finished the book and Allison's thoughts on it and my laughing at whether or not she gets it right or wrong. And we switch off once a month. So you should go back and listen to our first episode, which was me reading Aragon for the first time and Allison rereading it. Mm -hmm. And that was funny. (laughs) Yep. I enjoyed it because I just got to rail on your favorite book and I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I literally downgraded its Goodreads. Did you really? Oh, no. I almost, I still feel really bad. Um, (laughs) Not that I like, hated it but i feel bad that like i made you reread it and then made you realize it had all these flaws which i'm sure you're gonna make me do no because you did not make me reread that book it was my choice i was trying to torture you this is true and you did much as you were trying to torture me with this one no i'm not i'm actually think it's a really good book i well i also thought my book was good i still think my book is good anyway so that's what novel predictions is so uh give us a five star rating comment uh on any books that you think that we should read or make each other read or whatever or just what your favorite book is um from your childhood years we'd love that um it really helps us out and follow us on all that social media can you believe she's reading fallen our stars for the first time this book was such a phenomenon i don't like sad books man it is sad yeah that's not a spoiler everybody knows it's a book about kids with cancer it's going to be sad that was that's why i didn't read it is i'm well okay one i'm not a big contemporary reader in general Two, it's, I know it's fucking sad, like, (laughs) and I'm still scared about that. So that was the main reason as to why you didn't read it was you were just like, I don't like sad books and I don't read contemporary. Was that Well, so I didn't know about this book until the movie. Really? Yeah, I think so. Did you know about John Green? Not really. Interesting. Whenever these books were coming out. It was 2012. Okay. So I was in college, just, I just started college, um, and I, like, wasn't doing anything with the library yet. So I wasn't, you know, hanging out in the YX, wait, A section of the library. And I was in college, so I wasn't reading John Green. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's not saying that, like, everyone who reads YA reads John Green, but I just thought everybody had I mean, heard big, of him. He's a big hitter, for sure. Yeah. But I, I was in, for a long time, I was in this frame of mind where I only read very specific books and I reread them a lot. Okay. So it was like Harry Potter, all the Tamora Pierce books, um, all Aragon. <clears throat> I Aragon. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen the Era of My Ways. Um, That's okay. Uh, That's what I'm pretty sure this podcast should have been called was like the Era of Our Ways of our childhoods. There are well, I don't early know. Years. I mean, I think we'll find some that we're happy with. Well, I'm happy with this one, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but and like Maria V. Snyder, which I'm going to be making you read at some point. Oh yeah, I'm excited for that. I was sad you couldn't come when she came to the store. Yeah. Um, so I was just rereading a lot until 2014 whenever I, cause I basically read books as comfort and like a release from schoolwork. Yeah. So then in 2014, I started working at the library and I saw how many goddamn books there are that are good and that I don't know anything about. And I was like, I'm an idiot. And so 
basically starting in January of 2015, I haven't like reread since then. And so I've that's been like been kind of me discovering newer authors than those four um that I read for so long but yeah so John Green was not really on my radar that's crazy the reason I had you read this book was because it turned into this huge phenomenon and people often argue if it's John Green's best book or his second best book seconded only by looking for Alaska which actually has its own merit to it it's on one of the top 100 most popular books for the great american read which is crazy i'm surprised you said looking for alaska because i would have thought paper towns would have been no it was looking for alaska um because that book kind of took everybody by storm as a debut i remember um i started reading john green in 2008 so i was in high school yeah and yeah i was like math how old am i well actually see i don't think that's true because now i'm thinking about it and i'm like I read... You would have been 16. I know, but I read Abundance of Catherine's... I hate that book. Okay, no, I have no sense of any sort of time. Okay, that's not true. So I read it in 2006, which makes way more sense because I remember being in middle school, Yeah, which is makes more sense. So I read Abundance of Catherine's when that first came out because there was one boy in our library book club and he recommended it to everybody and he was really cute and he said if you wanted to I'm not kidding if you wanted a book from a guy's perspective that was like a YA novel you should read this book he was older he was cute I don't even fucking remember his name but he gave us abundance of Catherine's and so I read that and I loved it fucking fell in love with it and I fell in love with looking for Alaska because then I read that next and then as each book came out what's hilarious about this whole thing is while John Green was having this online following with nerd fighteria and his brother and the vlog brothers i thought john green was like my secret author because anytime i talked to anyone about books and recommended john green's books nobody knew who he was and so i'm was sure like, you loved that i did i thought he I, it was like my own little secret bubble of like here look at this miraculous amazing book author that i found where everything is great and so me and my friend amanda loved his books read all of them and and then when Fault in Our Stars came out, we were in college. And I remember we had kind of fallen out of touch. And she actually was the one who texted me and was like, hey, I know it's been a while, but John Green's coming out with a new book. And if you pre-order it, you can get them signed. And that started us talking again for a little while. And then we fell out of touch and whatever. But regardless, I grew up reading John Green in kind of the same way. And it's just hilarious to me because I yeah I was like in seventh grade seventh or eighth grade and just read him all through until fall in our stars and I have not read turtles all the way down yet um and that's for more personal reasons but that's okay and I did but I did read Hank Green's new book and he commented on my review and that was super cool yeah that, that was, was pretty wild oh my god that was fucking nuts Wait, I, you got a review copy so you're one of the very first people to like uh, yeah it. I think I'm like one of the first six people or something to really comment on it which was pretty cool um, but yeah, so that's my story with, uh, The Fault in Our Stars. And then why, uh, when I read it, I definitely fell into the craze. I drank the Kool-Aid and loved it. And over the years, I will admit that I realize how pretentious it is. I realize there are some interesting concepts that I probably took too literal and too close to heart, but... I still really like this story and it still means a lot. So that's why I'm making you read it. That and I just think it's absolutely fucking nuts that you haven't. So a big part of my fear going into reading The Fault in Our Stars for this podcast, beyond just not really it being on my radar and knowing it was a sad cancer book, I'm just like, okay, that's not something I enjoy because I'm an escapist reader. I read to escape the drudgery and sadness of real life which is why I read a lot of fantasy. So it's never been something I'm interested in. But I'm also was terrified because in January, we did our TBR takeover for our last podcast and McKaylee made me read An Abundance of Catherines. And I hated that book. Like, hated it. Like, one star hated it. And I'm stabbed. It just You need to reread it and see how terrible it is. It's so good. No. It's not. It's very bad. And it's so because the main character and the writing and every person in that damn book is just pretentious and shitty and there's no growth and they're just like the worst. 
And which is probably why I liked it as a seventh grader, because I was a pretentious little smart ass. Yeah, it was like every line was like so filled with meaning. And I'm like, bullshit. You're like, what? I don't know. They're like 16 or 17. Like, I don't believe that every single piece, every single statement you make in your life has like six different meanings. I don't believe it. So that was my biggest fear going into reading The Fault in Our Stars. Well, we're fucked. <laughs> There's literally a kid who like speaks and act in metaphors in this book. And you got to be f- like, ah, oh, fuck. We're so fucked. So I will say, we'll get to the predictions in a second, but I will say, I was terrified. I started reading it last week. I actually kind of like it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One more time. I am enjoying the this book. I am trying really hard not to scream into this microphone right now, but the dog, if this helps anybody give a visual, like I am literally so tense and excited in this moment that Allison's dog has like come up to me and been like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Which she often <laughs> does when I'm like having a panic attack or something, which she actually has done. But I just, that's, that's amazing. I'm so, really glad to hear that you're enjoying the first five chapters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Tox. Seriously, this dog is like, are you all right? She's like a self-trained therapy dog. She really is. Um, Sorry, side note about the amazing dogs. Um, the, the amazing dog that is Tonks. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so I am enjoying it. There's definitely still some of that pretentious nature. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's but there. But it is far more toned down. Not every character has it. And I think... I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a product of John Green growing as a writer. Um, he was in his like late 20s when he started writing Looking for Alaska. And then Abundance of Catherine's came out very quickly afterwards. So, And I just mean like he was a dad at this point. And, when like, he wrote Fault in Our Stars. When he wrote Fault in Our Stars and the whole history of it. Do you know the history with Esther Earl? No. I'm wondering if I should tell you now or if I should wait for the next episode. I Will might tell you now. Stuff? Um, no, it won't spoil anything. It, it'll explain the dedication in the book. Um, oh, I don't like read dedications. How the hell doesn't read? I read. Really? You don't read dedications? I would love to take a poll on number of people who read dedications and I bet it's you. What? And then everyone else. No, there's a, do you read acknowledgements? No. What? No, I don't read author's notes. I don't read acknowledgements. You, did you read the author's note in here? No. What? What? I'm so shocked by this. Why would I read that? I don't know. I do. Nobody reads those? I don't read them. I can't, I guess I can't attest. Can somebody to the rest tell of the me? World. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you, but I really need someone to tell me that that somebody else reads these because I can't be in the minority here. I think you are in the minority. I don't think you're alone, but I, you're definitely in the minority. But they they exist on the page. I mean, like I don't read. The, uh, I do read the copyright page sometimes, okay, but so I do know let's... that that. But okay, okay, <laughs> but I do know that that's uncommon. I read the copyright page because I like to know about the publishers and shit. But the, uh, that's because I'm a nerd. But Really? You don't read the dedicate? No, never. All right. Well, that's good to know. We can talk about that later. Um, I'd love to know more about about this this whole liking this book thing. That that What are you enjoying about it so um, far? I started taking notes because I was surprised that I was enjoying it and I wanted to track it. Yeah. No, that's great. That's what um, you should do. Here's what I knew about this book before I opened it. Yeah, that's what that that was yeah that's a thing we should do what 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 did you know about this book before you started other than it was a sad cancer book three things okay uh i was pretty sure two cancer patients fall in love okay i said they presumably like shakespeare because of the title of the book okay doesn't seem can you name the shakespeare play that it's from no but i know that it's from a shakespeare play damn it okay (laughs) it's julius caesar in case you give a shit cassius Um, says the line and then i know that one of them dies Okay. And I know all this from like the movie trailers. Which is 100% fair. Which I've not seen the movie because that would kind of defeat the purpose of this. Yeah, no, any book that we read, we haven't seen the movie with it because that would yeah. that just wrecks the whole thing. Like yeah. if we did Book Thief, I've seen the Book Thief movie, but I've never watched. Or, I've seen the Book Thief movie, but I've never read the book. But so that would still defeat the whole deal. Yeah. Unless we did Count of Monte Cristo because the they changed the whole fucking ending of that book. That's another rant for another day. So I'm those, mad. I'm still so mad about it. <laughs> so those are the three things I knew going in. And I like wrote them down before I opened the first page of the book so that I had that. There's no lies. I would say that that's a little bit more than me knowing that there's a dragon and Jeremy Irons is in it somewhere for Aragon. Yeah. A little. 
Not but much. that's because Vaultnar Stars, the Vaultnar Stars movie was this huge thing. It was changing the narrative, people said, of like teens film and was reminding people of like 16 Candles and shit like that. Yeah, so I think the difference between the amount of exposure I had to this book and the amount of exposure I had to you had to Aragon is different because the Aragon movie was never popular because it tanked. Um, so you probably never even, you barely saw like a piece of it or whatever. So, I mean, I like, okay, so I like Hazel. Um, I think she's interesting. She's a little bit like manic pixie dream girly in terms of like, I'm so alt, but I get like, I get that teenagers love that. I was like that. So I get that. Um, I have to like read it from a perspective of I'm a teenager. Uh, I like August except for the cigarette thing, and I... Augustus? Yes, I'm sorry. I like Augustus except for the cigarette thing, because what the fuck is that? It's stupid. It's... It's stupid. I hated it from the first thing. Like, to me, it seems like a gimmick, but go ahead. It's not even like, this is a dumb choice for this character. I'm just like, you shouldn't have written it this way. Like, it's not funny. It's not ironic. It's not cute. It just makes me, like, kind of want to hit him every time he does it. So, um, in terms of the characters... I like them. Um, what about Isaac? At this point, I just feel super bad for him. Right. <laughs> like, everything in his life is just falling apart. Uh, I guess I don't consider him... Like, I know he's a character, but I can't imagine that he's, like, going to go with them. So, I... Right. He's, like, super secondary in my mind. Yeah. Um, I just mean because, like, one of the last chapters that we read was the Night of the Broken Trophies. So, and like, he's so pivotal in that moment. So, I just... Yeah. I was curious if you had formulated anything yeah and he's i i guess like i think of him as a from a meta perspective of he's like what brings them together so fair um but i do feel really bad for him his life sucks right now in a lot of ways uh and his girlfriend is really mean and that's really shitty what else did you like (laughs) so so i write this like i'll just read it verbatim because it's pretty funny i said i'm surprised that the writing isn't too pompous for me my perception of john green is that his characters are unforgivably uh arrogant (laughs) or just walking mansplainers (laughs) (laughs) because that is what that is what an abundance of catherine's is no yes it is okay they are unfailingly arrogant and it's just a constant well i know this and i'm like shove it up your ass like nobody cares so do you do you think it's different because it's written by a girl or written from a female's perspective um Maybe, but I also think that it's probably just the 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 theme of the book is so different because Abundance of Catherine's is a road trip novel. It's a finding yourself boy book. Like it's about boys, not it's a boy book. It's about boys. Um, so I think maybe just in context, it's better because she yeah, that's can- fair be I mean she can be arrogant and like all of his characters have that trait a little but not nearly as much no I would definitely say that Augustus is probably the most out of all of them yeah I do love that like the faith the foundation of their relationship is a book uh that really he got me with that gimmick um and I also really love that John Green so the book that Augustus gives to um hazel is like this novelization of his favorite video game which i thought was so funny the but price I, of dawn yeah but i like that she enjoyed it like without Spoiler, the price of dawn is blood <laughs> <laughs> i like that she enjoyed it without um like being like well like without qualifying it without saying well it's a genre book which goes kind of nice because john green writes ya but he writes fiction like in that contemporary fiction style i feel like a lot of fiction it's a lot of fiction versus genre in the book world like people don't feel like genre books like that one um have merit so i kind of like that that he kind of gave a nod to genre fiction yeah i think hazel also mentions that like when augustus is asking her early on like what do you like to read she says i read everything from horrible romance to poetry to something else and she she is a vast reader Mm -hmm. her favorite book an imperial affliction is definitely like as augustus calls it capital g great books yeah it's a literary fiction it's totally a literary fiction but i think like you said it's a fun balance that he gives her and the fact that she blazes through three of them in like 24 hours is great yeah i thought that was really fun i i honestly really liked it 
Uh, and then I wrote, I know someone dies, but I don't want them to. And all this talk of her um, lungs is making me really nervous. And I'm just like, because it's just reminding me of why I don't want to read this book, even though I'm enjoying it. Because I'm so scared of the outcome and I don't like sad books. I don't like when sad things happen. I am such a happy ever after person or at least happy for now. And so I have to like not think about it. And that's proving really difficult. Well, I'm really glad that you're at least um, invested. I am definitely invested. I read the five chapters we were reading like 90 pages and like an hour and a half in one sitting because I was just reading and enjoying it because like it took me much longer to read the 50 pages we had to read for Aragon for the first five chapters you gotta say it's at least well written like John Green is a good writer it's well written I agree um it's much better written than Abundance of Catherine's <laughs> that's fine that's fair um questions yeah let's go to our questions uh which are kind of funny because we totally tailored them more for like a fantasy book yeah um but that's okay so They'll we be... might have to adjust on the fly a little bit but that's okay so, does the MC fall in love? Yes, obviously. Uh, to who? I feel like that question's super leading, but okay. Um, I think Hazel and Augustus obviously are falling in love. That's, like, the point of the damn book. I do like how unflinchingly into her he is, um, because it reminds me of Nate. It reminds me of my husband. Um, there's a couple of things that the couple of scenes in the book where they're like talking on the phone really late and they do the okay, 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 okay thing. And I literally remember doing that. Um, I, I started dating my husband when we were 15. And so I literally remember doing that with him and it was just like hit me really hard in the feels. Um, and a lot of the whole, like, God, this girl I have crush on blah, blah, blah. Like in preempting things with statements like that, it's very my husband. And so I think that (laughs) that is probably endearing me a lot to him. Uh, so I'm obviously rooting for them, but I know, I, I know that there is tragedy in their relationship and that makes me so nervous. So that, that being said though, what tropes do you think you'll see? Or what tropes are you like starting to see? You mentioned Manic Pixie Dream Girl a little bit. Just a little, not a lot. Not as much as like Margot Roth Spiegelman from Paper Towns, which you haven't, which read. haven't read. Never mind. <laughs> but a little, like, cause she's, yeah. she's very, um, alternative, because, and I get it. Like, she's been out of the loop with life for three years. Um, but so so that's definitely one. I see that. I see the whole, like, pretending to be indifferent bad boy is actually, like, super, because of the fucking cigarette thing. Oh, I was like, he, how is he a bad Just, boy? That I gave her a look. I gave her not, a raised not eyebrow. Not like, I break the law way, but in the, like, I push the boundaries way. Oh, yeah. Um is actually like the most soft, like the softest cinnamon roll um, in the universe. I'm on a roller coaster that only goes up. Yeah. Uh, what else? I could quote this book for days. Yeah, obviously. What? Um, I think there's probably going to be some parent absenteeism. Um, just like, because they're presumably going to Amsterdam. And I don't think they're bringing her parents, so... Yeah, I want to I ask you about that, because obviously it was revealed about Amsterdam, but do you think they go to Amsterdam? So I, I do think they might go to Amsterdam, because I, before he was like, I'm using my wish, which I honestly, that was a really great reveal. I loved that. Um, but I was like, they're going to go to Amsterdam, like somehow. Like, that's got to be part of this, um, or at least... It's going to be part of the plot, them trying to get to Amsterdam. I want them to get there. What do you... Okay, so if they go... Yeah. I'll, I'll ask... This is a twofold question. Okay. I'll ask one scenario if they go and one question if they don't go. Okay. If they go, what do they do there? What do you think happens? Well, so they're going... The trip is supposed to be so they can go talk to their favorite her favorite author. Right. Peter Van Houten. Yep. And so I think probably if they go he'll he they won't get to talk to him like they'll go and it'll be this big fucking thing where they have to get there and whatever and they're either they won't get to talk to him or it will be very disappointing and he actually didn't write those emails um like it could have been just his assistant because she's because the fact that she wrote him so many letters and never got a response and then there were these instantaneous email responses like is kind of fishy to me is he dead um he could be dead i could see that i mean i thought 
I mean, I, I guess, what do, what do you think? Why is he absent? I think either he is dead or he is his like doesn't have his mental fa- faculties anymore. Like he's in a nursing home or, you know, under some kind of care. Um, but somebody is acting in his stead to try to like keep his memory alive or his his fandom alive. So if they don't go, okay. why do they not go? I think probably they if they don't go, it's because she gets too sick. Like she can't travel um, that far. Which I'm like gonna cry like thinking about that because I, God damn, I hate sad books. Um, but like she's obviously, either she's either actually getting sick again or she's like anxiety fueled thinking she's getting sick again, and I'm thinking it's probably the former. Um, so if they can't go, I would say she's too sick. But if they can't go, I would I'm gonna make a very broad prediction that uh Augustus does his very best to get their author to come to them. Okay. Because that's like the foundation of their relationship, the foundation of her whole life really for the past three years. I think it's there's gotta be some kind of reckoning with the author. Either they meet they go to him, he's great or whatever, it doesn't seem likely. They go to him, he's incapable or dead, or he comes to them. So, because we keep talking about the author, this will kind of lead into a question of, like, but but do you think there is a mentor? You kind of mentioned him being absent in your main theory. Mm -hmm. So, do you think there is a mentor? If so, who is it? Peter Van Houten. How how do they meet this mentor, if there is one? Right, yeah, I can... Because in a way, they kind of already have in terms of, like, their idea of Peter Van Houten is their mentor. Yeah. And I understand that. But, like, is there somebody you think that – because you said you think there will be absentee parents. Like, is there kind of that adult figure you think maybe that helps them along? Honestly, I don't think there is. I think that it's one of those things where – and that's why I was saying I think it's an absentee parent book. Not that they're emotionally absent, that they're physically absent. Um, because – and I just see this a lot in contemporaries where it's a lot of, like – the kids and contemporaries find their own way that the adult figure of the author is their goal, but not so much a mentor. And it's kind of a kids find their own way book. Like Let's every other contemporary I've ever read. <laughs> okay. Here's a big one. Mm-hmm. Who's going to die? I'm pretty sure Hazel dies because she's still sick and he's not. Um, it would be a big twist if he died, but I don't think it's going to be. I think I think he's he's not burying the lead here. I think that he's really being John Green that is is being truthful when he's talking about her feeling sick again and cuz cuz you know they talked about all this experimental therapy that only worked for so many people and blah 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 and yay hurrah what does she say? Uh, it's like huzzah alexafor. That's what <laughs> yeah. she says. Yeah, so I think I'm. It makes me really sad, but I'm pretty sure that she will die. Um, I'm a little scared Isaac's gonna die too, um, <laughs> because obviously his cancer is not like he's currently at the no evidence of cancer whatever stage. But they just took another one of his eyes, so um, that would be really. I think that might be more sad for me because it's less anticipated. But yeah, I think both of them will probably die. So then what's the twist, if there is one? I think the twist is that the author is either dead or incapable of imparting wisdom because he's infirmed. So it seems like to me, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that like you think that the continuing plot of this book is them trying to get to Amsterdam, getting to Amsterdam, and then trying to figure out what happens after that trip. I think so. Because what I'm hearing from you is that they get to Amsterdam, Peter Van Houten's an ass, or well, dead. I don't, I don't know that he's an ass. I think he's, like... Are you saying he's, like, mentally he's incapable? He's, like, incapable. Like, he's, oh, like, okay, he's I like better understand. Dementia. Sorry. My bad. Or, you know, like, he's, he's... He's kind of a pretentious ass, though. It's like John Sorry. Green's early work. Oh, go figure. Um, literally, when I was reading the so, letters okay, but, from him, yeah. I was like, this is just John Green as an early author. 
Yeah, I think the Imperial Infliction was an early idea for a novel that John Green had, if I remember that rumor correctly. Also, the title of that book, are you fucking kidding me? I know. Me? I know. My favorite, do you read epigraphs, then? No. Oh, my God. My favorite is that if you care to look at your epigraph in The Fault in Our Stars, you want to read that aloud? As the tide washed in, the Dutch tulip man faced the ocean. Conjurer, rejoicer, poisoner, concealer, revelator? What the fuck is that word? Revelator. Revel- that's, e- that's equally useless. Sorry. Look at it, rising up and rising down, taking everything with it. What's that, I asked. Water, the Dutchman said. Well, and time. Yeah, and it's by the author. It's a quote from the book in the book. Right. He made it up. It's pretentious as fuck. It's great. Um, no, I just don't buy in. Other people it. did it. Other literary greats. I think... Uh, wasn't Steinbeck. Might have been um, J.D. Salinger made up his own epigraph, or Mark Twain. Anyway, or maybe all of them. But again, going back to your plot. So your thing is, is that it's like they're trying to get to Amsterdam. They get to Amsterdam. Peter Van Houten is a disappointment. Or dead. Or dead. Either way, that's still a disappointment. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I was trying to be vague. And then afterwards, Hazel dies. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing from you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is this story from Hazel's perspective? Especially if she's going to die. I mean, Vic- Veronica Roth did it, but still. Spoilers, Spoilers. for this fucking Divergent series. <laughs> nobody needs to read that series. Just nobody nobody needs to do it. It's fine. You can skip it. Mm-hmm. Fucking main character dies. Um, that's like, honestly a good question. I think... Like, why is she important? I mean, this this also kind of feels like an unfair question because I think the answer is not contained within the book, but I'd love to hear your thoughts anyway. Right, like why do I think she's important? Yeah. I think I think the reason John Green wrote from Hazel's perspective instead of Augustus's or whoever, or Isaac's even, that kind of would have been fun. Um, Actually, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it would have been a really interesting story about a kid losing his sight and what yeah. that life is like. But anyway, go ahead. But the reason I think it's from Hazel's perspective is... That she is, and it says from the beginning, like, I think the first line of the book, do you know the first line of the book without looking it um, up? It is in the year of my 16th, in, in like the middle of my, in the midwinter of my 16th year, my mother had decided I was depressed. Pretty close. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. Late what in the winter of my 17th year. My ah, damn it. It was 17th, not 16th. But basically the first paragraph ends with, uh... She says, I devoted quite a bit of my abundant free time to thinking about death. Yeah. And so I think, like I said, I don't think he buries the lead. I think she's going to die. And writing from a character's perspective who has no hope of life, but still wants to live is kind of a unique, not necessarily unique. I mean, a lot of people do it. Um, But it's an interesting and compelling narrative. Especially for YA, I think. Yeah. Um, in that same vein, I want to point out to you about, then do you think that an Imperial Affliction is like a foreshadowing of this book? Because in it, you know, Anna dies. Right. Well, we presume Anna presumes dies. Anna dies or she gets too sick to continue or whatever Hazel says. Mm-hmm. And it cuts off in the middle of a sentence. And Hazel is obviously very taken with this book. She says, you know, Peter Van Houten is the only person who can write about what it's like to die without having died. And obviously this book centers around death a lot. But what do you think the storyline of Imperial Affliction has to do with the story of Fault in Our Stars? I don't think it is like a mirror. I think maybe it, the book is like a metaphor because this whole book is like everything in John Green's whole life is a metaphor. Um, the book is a metaphor for Hazel trying to find understanding about her own death um, from herself and from others. Because like she said, he, like he's the only person who knows who could write a book about dying without dying, um, which I think is also maybe foreshadowing about him being dead. But so so I think I don't think it's like a oh, wait a second. That's interesting. Say that again. I said I think it's probably foreshadowing about the author being dead okay 
now I made you think about something you've never thought about, didn't I? Yes. Uh, yes. Or I'm just a really great liar, which is actually not true. I'm a really shitty liar, um, which is why this is... I keep making all these exorbitant facial expressions just to try and not... I don't know. I'm also, like, not looking at her at all, yeah. hardly, because um, I'm really, really bad at lying. We need, like, a screen between our faces. I know, something. But I want to talk to you is the problem. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I think... I don't think it's one for one. I think it's a a reflection of how she feels about her own death and now at the beginning of the book she's in this state where she maybe won't die but she never she never thinks that she's always still talking about how she's like still dying and but everyone else is like well you're like like her mom is like talking about her future and like all these things but hazel is never like i'm not i'm done dying she's still like i'm dying so that's really i think part of it you haven't gotten to one of my favorite lines of the book yet. Um, that, again, follows that same theme and really is a a crucial point for Hazel in that conversation. And I can't wait for you to read it just because it's, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, any other thoughts that you have? Any other predictions you want to make? I mean, I know this book is mostly about surface level. It's mostly about their relationship, I think. And then underlying level, it's mostly about um, this girl, ex- like, who is striving to live while she's dying. <sighs> I'm just like, my emotions about this book are already all tangled. And it makes me, this is why I don't read these books, even though I'm enjoying it, because it just gets me all of my feelings um, I feel like this podcast has been more painful for you in this moment than it has been for me. So far, because, yes, because you, we because really I wrote my favorite books, and now I'm feeling all the feels with your book. <laughs> I'm just a torturer. Allison's going to be, like, scouring her bookshelves for the perfect fucking a, book. I have to find a book that I want that I will not hate when I reread it for the next one. Otherwise, it's going to be so hard. Well, and that's the thing. I'm not going to lie. I was really worried because after what happened with you and Aragon, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to read The Fault in Our Stars and I'm going to lose my shit. And I don't actually think that's true. I think I can look at this with a respect of what it did for me in my life at the time and still realize how much I enjoy it because I'm li- I'm listening to the audiobook and I literally am saying lines as they're being said or before they're being said. And I'm like, oh, this book really did have a huge how, impact on me, and I still really enjoy it. How many times have you read this book? Because you're not a huge rereader. Are you counting how many times I listen to the audiobook? Yeah. Because I used to listen to it on planes. Yes, I'm counting that. Fuck. Um, probably at least a dozen. Okay. So that makes sense. That's like... Yeah, I've probably read it a dozen times. It's basically why I can quote the entire first Harry Potter book, because I... Yeah. Read and listened to it over a hundred times. Yeah, I would say seconded to Harry Potter. This is the book I've read the, reread the most. Okay. Actually, yeah, that's probably very true. Seconded to Harry Potter, The Fall of Our Stars, I've read, reread the most. Um, which is funny because I didn't think about that ever. Um, I'm like having this own like little mini existential crisis as I'm going on here. But it did. It hit me at a really crucial time in my life. And um, it, the whole story behind it was really good, too. Um and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you because it, 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 it's pertinent. Actually, you know what? I don't want to tell you. I want to wait until after we're done. And I know I can't make up my mind, but because I don't want it to filter what you think of the story. Yeah, sure. Because everybody knew the story going into it. Everybody knew who Esther Earl was and everybody knew wh- what 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 was the genesis of this book, the the stuff that happened, especially if you were a nerd fighter and followed along with that and 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 you still know and can still read it through that lens, but you are in the very unique position of not. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ruin that for you. And I don't want to ruin that for myself because I'm really anxious to see what you think, not knowing that history at all. Um, Yeah. So tell me during the second episode. Yeah. That's what I'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're not already going to cry your eyes out. Um, wait, my last question. I have two questions, two more questions. One is, uh, what other stories does this remind you of? You don't read contemporary, so I don't know. It doesn't remind me of books because I don't read these books. That's fine. But Does it, remind it reminds you of a movie? me of movies. It reminds me of like 
all those weird medical rom-coms like they're good but they're like so sleep is in seattle oh okay you know, <laughs> i was like what you're medical, like medical rom-com, rom-com. Well, but, I was, i'm thinking like an affair to remember and i was like that's not a rom-com no. or like um this one is a little bit of a stretch but like 51st dates where it's like somebody who there's some devotion to yeah. drew barrymore i think is the same similar level of augustus's devotion to hazel right well and it's this whole thing where somebody has something wrong with them and and the other party in the relationship is coming in and like being the best support system they can be um mm-hmm. even in a situation where they just met that's the 51st states at the beginning like he's on board really fast <laughs> for this crazy i have never seen that movie really nope it's really good it's really it's sad um but it does have a happy ever after so i can tolerate the sadness as all romance has to have you been seeing this like twitter fight that where people are trying to say that novels that don't have happy ever after endings should be concluded in the romance genre what wait no yeah there's like this whole i don't know wait that do have happily ever after should be in romance no so part of the romance genre is that it's literally a written requirement is that it has to have a happily ever after or at least a happy for now yes there are people arguing that their books there are books that are should be considered romance in the genre sense but they do not like this oh like they don't have a happy ever after yeah so there's like this whole debate no i was not aware of that i I need to ask all my romance writers friends that i just recently made i am firmly in the camp of happy ever after because that's literally part of the genre like your book can have romance without being a romance novel right but I know people in the romance world that consider this a romance, that they get actually very offended when people are like, John Green doesn't write romance. And they're like, no, this is romance. But. Well, so that's. Okay. So here's an example. Uh, this is so off base from. What no, this we're is totally about, fine. But, um, so this is are- part of being a, in a podcast. I mean, how many times have we listened to James and Jimmy and like the, the Bam Bam brothers, like just completely <laughs> go off on a tangent. We're totally fine. Um, Not that we're that good, but we admire them. So yeah. fuck off uh it's something to strive for so nicholas sparks yeah not romance because it doesn't have a happy ending yes the fuck that is accurate in terms of genre no i I literally never knew this as an english major and a bookseller this is something i didn't know like i literally in my head i would be like oh i'm thinking of like oh if you want a sappy romance nicholas sparks yeah so oh but but i would consider notebook to be a happy for now-ish ending even though they die they die mckaylee but but they're together and she remembers who he is for the last time and then they die together no, it's beautiful dying at the end doesn't count as happy ever after or happy for now because they're dead they're not ghosts for now well okay <laughs> fine but also spoilers for the notebook and where the fuck have you been um if you really are upset about those um yeah so but, okay but so 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 nicholas sparks this is obviously a personal opinion that's fine nicholas sparks is like contemporary fiction with includes romance because of the hea there's no hea so like romance authors like that were just here in denver for the the um, romance writers of america conference and that we saw a ton of them all of their books have happy ever afters or happy for nows I don't know why this is blowing my mind so much right now like legitimately I don't mm-hmm. I'm like sitting here look at like go i mean yeah go look at the debates i think a really interesting conversation to be a part of i made an executive decision for our podcast when i tweeted about it um oh cool thanks i just retweeted somebody who was like it was a romance author who was like romance has happy ever afters like i don't care you run our social media you can control the opinions (laughs) of it nine times out of ten i agree with you um except on the magicians anyway uh (laughs) till our dying fucking day uh if anybody listened to our previous podcast or just knows Allison and I at all, we have a really large debate about The Magicians and the quality of it by Love Grossman, not the TV show, which is actually a pretty decent adaptation, um, but the book. And uh, it's just a really funny debate how much I love it. And I found it like fucking life changing. And she thinks it's one of the worst things plot wise. I will say she did give it credit that it is well written, but she did say that it was a terrible story and bad characters and all yeah. that jazz we won't get into it but it's no but it's just so you know because we're going to reference it a lot i M- michaela loves it uh she thinks it's life-changing i think it is 
literally just fan fiction with a shitty main character. Narnia fan fiction. And I love fan fiction, but it's not, you don't publish your fan fiction. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Anyway, so that's interesting. I, well, you don't know that this this doesn't have a happy ending. I know. I am confident this book doesn't have a happy ending because I know someone dies. But, so, so, bringing it home, this is not a romance novel. Now I feel like I need to go research the other, like, checkpoints of romance talk to me about why augustus waters is weird i it's so hard for me because he i'm telling you he reminds me of my damn husband and i obviously love that one but the it's i think that i wouldn't have any issues with him if he didn't do the cigarette thing like it honestly makes my skin crawl because i don't it's not good in any way it's not ironic and cute and funny it's not like making you cooler it's not you just kind of look like a douche you look like a douchebag and then people are gonna look at you and they're gonna see a cigarette in your mouth and they're gonna be like oh what an idiot shouldn't be smoking and then they're gonna see that it's unlit and they're gonna be like what is happening what are you doing and then he just puts them back in the pack like he didn't just suck on them i know it's kind of gross and he like doesn't he say I don't know if you're like this pack will last me until I'm 18. That's it. Okay. I couldn't remember and if I'm he like, actually, I, I knew the line. I couldn't remember if you'd read it yet <laughs> yeah. or not. Um, but he, he says that and I'm like, uh, how much saliva is on that yeah. fucking, like those things dis- disintegrate as someone who's literally had three cigarettes in her entire fucking life. Like those things are gross when you yeah. like, th- what? <laughs> Even when you suck on them, they're gross. I've also had fake ones. I've also had real cigarettes, but unlit in my mouth for theater productions and that's just gross we had to like redo the packs every week because it's gross yeah so that and also by buying that fucking pack you're still financially supporting the industry yeah that's killing people it's the cigarette thing and then also really bugged me how like hazel has a visceral reaction to it the first time and then he's like i don't like them it's an ironic statement metaphor and then she's like okay no bullshit that she would be like okay she's she's dying of she's drowning in her own body fluid i don't think that she would be like yeah that's chill just keep these cigarettes around me just you know support the industry that is giving everyone cancer there's no fucking way that that is how she would react allison thinks that augustus waters is a douchebag <laughs> i don't though he just has that one douchey quality he's douche ad- adjacent okay so my last and final question yes is if this book makes you cry will you still be my friend yes i will still be your friend i it's so that's a stupid question because it's gonna make me cry (laughs) i just feel like i just feel terrible i do i mean i do in the sense of like i feel bad that i ruined your favorite book as a child not your favorite as a child but like i ruined aragon for you and then i feel bad that i'm gonna make you like just die in agony because like i remember I tried to get so many people to read this book and I did. I got so many people to read this book and I will tell you, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this funny story. So, so since you know, someone dies, yeah, that's not a spoiler. So I finished the book mm-hmm. in college, right? And I was in my college dorm room and I finished it for the first time and I laid it <laughs> laid down on the ground and I just had the book and I'm sprawled out. Like it's, you know, 120 degrees outside and I don't want any body parts touching each other. And there's a small knock on my door and I just shout, it's open. And my friend at the time walks in and she goes, whoa, who died? And I just start sobbing. <laughs> I hadn't cried. I didn't cry. Because you're not a crier. I'm not a crier. But literally, she walks in the door, like just trying to be funny and is like, whoa, who died? And I lost it. Lost it. And she was like, she actually thought someone in my family actually had died. And I was like, and she's like, for real right now? Like, that. And, and then she read it and then she understood i am a crier like i am here's here's an example of me being a crier i am re-listening to the adventure zone podcast oh no and i am at the end at the very i was on the first episode yesterday i was driving to work listening to the first episode of the finale why would you do that to yourself it's so good it I, is so good yeah so i'm but i'm driving and griffin is talking and like nothing is happening yet. He's just talking. He's monologuing about what's gonna happen, like what's going on. I am, like, starting to well up. I'm driving on the highway, and I'm like, this was such a bad idea. This was such a bad idea. Like I'm, and this is not the first time I'm listening to this. I'm re-listening to it. I'm re-feeling these emotions. So in short, don't listen to the audiobook of this while you're driving. Yeah. Uh, make sure you have a lot of tissues next to you. Maybe some chocolate. 
I'm not going to read like the last 25% of this book at work. There's- oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I feel like that needs to be like somebody's article uh, like on, on um, Epic Reads or something of like how to survive reading The Fault in Our Stars. I hate <laughs> what, you, you like for a, making me do this. For a Fault in Our Stars survival kit. Um, but it's really good. I am enjoying it. I'm just not thinking about the fact that it will be sad until it gets there and I have to deal with those emotions. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't really have a good way to end this, except that I'm really <laughs> excited to see what you think. I'm really excited to look back over your predictions because <laughs> they're fun. And uh, while this was not as like humorous of an episode, um, I'm really glad you're enjoying it. And uh, I'm excited to see what you think of the rest of the book. Yes. And I'm excited to reread it again for myself because I am thoroughly enjoying it. So much so that I cheated. And I'm on like chapter eight. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> My bad. So join us in two weeks when we will do our full oh. review of The Fault in Our Stars. We will test my predictions, see how amazing I am. No. <laughs> Spoilers, she's not. Uh, I don't believe you. And I believe you're amazing. Just at predicting books, I'm better. Okay, we'll fight later. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, um, please go give us a five-star review on iTunes and leave us a little note on there, too. It's always nice to see people are listening. We enjoy shouting into the void, but we'd love not to shout into the void. Yeah. Tell us that we're not shouting into the void, that you hear us. Yeah. Like, like JoJo shouting Yop and Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. Name that book. Nope. Fuck. Really? Yeah. Who Were you ever a child? I don't know. Horton, here's a fucking who. I never read it. Really? <sighs> not until I was an adult. Anyway. Uh, I'm just going to go a- crawl into a corner and just be ashamed. Uh, this was Novel Prediction. You haven't read Fault in Our oh Stars. You haven't read Dr. Seuss. You're killing me. I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Keep making novel predictions. Oh, no. It's like, join us next time as we make novel pre- I don't know what it is. Bye. Bye. Bye.